Good morning. For those of you that don't know, my name is Adam, one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, just kind of continuing our service, jumping into a message. We're titled Jump In. We're talking about how each of us in this room have something to offer, and we depend on it. We need you to offer that gift and open it up. Uh, now, Mention in your bulletin, you uh, see a pamphlet that looks like this. Just want to draw a quick attention to it. Every week when we start our message, generally every week, we talk about, hey, in the known journal, we're on page, this morning we're on page 116. Uh, as a church, we are passionate of saying, listen, if you're going to pick one thing to do, one thing to practice, we'd say get Use that one thing to get to know your creator, to get to know God intimately, get to know him personally, and spend time daily with him. So we're trying to help you to do that. So we put together a reading plan uh, that runs along with our message series. There's a journal out there free to grab if you would like to jump into that. So again, that's in there. I just want to draw attention to that. Now, this morning, kind of here's where we're going. If you're in this room and you would say, you know what, I am a Christian, and just want to hit a pause button real quick and define that because some people use different definitions for what that word is. Uh, but for me, when I use the word Christian, a Christian is a person. If you're here this morning, so you know what? I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that no matter how good I am and no matter how much bad stuff I stop doing, no matter how religious and how much money I give and no matter how many uh, people I help and serve, I'm never, never going to bridge that gap between me and God. It's only in Jesus stepping towards me, my, me putting my trust in him and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness do I enter a relationship with God. So that's what it means to be a Christian. And if you're a Christian, here's where, here's where we're going this morning in this entire series, uh, this week and next. All Christians have something to offer that the rest of us cannot live without. All of you. If you're here and you say, you know what, yes, I am a Christian then you have a gift. God has uniquely, supernaturally empowered you with a gift that the person sitting beside you, go ahead and take a look at him. Just say hello. I know you already shook hands this morning. Maybe you're related. But that person cannot exist in a healthy, truly healthy manner without you exercising your gift. And the heart of this series is to help us feel that weight and understand that all of us as Christians have been given a gift. And when we all get into the game with our gift, man, we all benefit and grow. Now, you look behind me and you say, did these guys miss the cue? Weren't they supposed to leave the stage after the song, right? They're all sitting there looking at me. Um, no, they didn't miss the cue. They're going to they're gonna help me out this morning. Uh, so here's what I want to do. Uh, to kind of jump in with an illustration to where we're going. Okay, I want to start back over here. You don't always get to meet this team. Uh, we have Paul over here. Um, everyone say hi to Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. <laughs> Tom's right here. Tom's one of our elders, if you never wonder who our elders are. Everyone say hi, Tom. I want you to say hi, because they're going to do something really brave in a minute. So I, it's going to, you'll see. And here we have Jeff, our fearless leader of this team. Everyone say hi, Jeff. There you go. Are you saying? And then back hiding in here. There he is. See, he's sticking his head out. That's Brian. Uh, we hide him back in the cage. We're kind of embarrassed of Brian. That's why we stick him back there. <laughs> no, just kidding. And then we have Amy. Everyone say hi, Amy, over here in the keys. And then we have Joni over here on base. There we go. Got a little weak to the end there, but thank you. Now, imagine, here's the deal. Imagine, they're all gifted. Every one of them in this stage has a gift. Has a gift that I do not have. For example, we have Amy. Amy has a gift that my parents thought it would be cool to encourage in me. So when I was young, they had me take piano lessons. And after a year, I think they said, oh, my goodness, this guy's never going to get it. I started playing Suzuki. Do any of you remember Suzuki? I don't know if he's the method where you kind of learn by hearing. You don't really learn to read music. So Amy's got a gift that I look to and say, I don't have. 
Now, I want you to, now, this team works well together, and they're humble, they're gracious. Now, imagine the opposite. Imagine Amy's sitting up here, and Amy says, I've got a gift, and I want people to see and know and hear my gift. Forget this team. I want them to see what I can do. So I'm going to ask Amy to jump in. She doesn't think this way, but imagine Amy jumps in, and she's going to use her gift. Okay, so she's starting. Now, Joni's standing over here, and Joni's like, well, you know what? The band is built on the bass. I mean, that's what a bass player really thinks, right? It's the, it's the most important instrument. Um, <laughs> helps you feel the music, the rhythm and the blues, so to speak. So Joni sits here and looks at Amy and says, well, that's cool. She's got a gift. I've got a gift too. And I want people to hear my gift. So Joni's going to step in and play a completely different piece than what Amy is. So go ahead, Joni, jump in and... You feel it? See? She's like, yeah, feel the groove there? Now, over here, these are the guys that I'm... Here's what we do with gifts. We get a little envious. I look at these guys here, and this is the group I always wanted to be. I wish, I like, God, please, why couldn't you give me the ability to play a guitar? All these cool pedals up here, and this... I mean, this is just cool stuff. Now, these guys are all standing here, Paul, Tom, and Jeff, and they're like, oh, piano's nice, bass is nice, But hey, in today's modern worship environment, you've got to have this thing here. (laughs) And you've got to have that there. And so, so again, these guys all jump in with a completely separate piece now to play and show their gift off. So go ahead, guys. Now, so they're playing. You're like, what is going on? I mean, here we got the keys, we got the bass, we got that. Now, Brian's sitting back here and he says, well, guys, I'm going to drown you all out because I have the drums. So Brian's going to jump in and now play his piece. What do you guys think? Right? Okay, let's go ahead. We're done. (laughs) Thank you. Can you give them a round of applause? Thank you, guys. I know that when I, when I pitched this idea, uh, some, a team around me gave the idea to me. Then I pitched it to them, and uh, they graciously jumped in and said, yeah, we'll try that. We look at that, and that's ridiculous, isn't it? It sounds terrible. It doesn't sound anything like the, sing, the singable song of Let It Be Jesus that we just sang, that moved our hearts and stirs in our spirit. We said, it's ridiculous. Who would do that? It doesn't harmonize. It doesn't make music. Each part trying to do their own thing, show off their own pieces, not working together as a whole. Yet I find so often it's what we do in the church. We do this. We clamor for attention. Look at my gift. Does anyone notice me? We're envious of the other gifts. Like I am, I think, man, if I only could play the guitar, how cool that would be. God, why do you let me talk and not let me play too? I mean, we, we're, we're a bit envious, and, and we begin to, the other thing we do is we begin to project our gifts onto others. So like, you know, kind of this imaginative scenario of the bass player saying, listen, you guys all need to get your head around the bass, see everything through the lens of bass. And we do this in the church, we begin to project, we begin to look at the body, look at the church through the lens of our gifting, and think, well, everyone should get this gifting, and everyone should do this. And it's really all about who? Me. It's not about the body. It's not about love. It's not about making music together. It's not about submitting my gift in with the team and working together as a whole to make music. Now, this dysfunction has been around a long time, a long time. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Sorry, I'm going the wrong way. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 says this. This makes for harmony. When all parts work together, this, this whole section, we're going to look at in a minute. This makes for harmony. I love this picture. Harmony. You know, I'm not a musician, but I understand that harmony can't exist on its own. Harmony is only harmony when all the parts work together. Harmony isn't just a separate standalone thing. So that all the members, look at this, care for each other. When we all do our part and we all work together, it creates harmony. John 13, 35 says this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So you say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. If you're here this morning, say, that's me. You know, the people around you that are not followers of Jesus, are not Christians, do you know how the, the scriptures teach that they're going to know that you're a Christian? It's not the t-shirts you wear or the fish little emblem that you put in the back of your SUV or it's not the, um, the words that you don't say or the words that you do say or the movies that you don't watch. Or the, it's not any of that. Though Some of that may play in at points. What it really is is Jesus says, listen, when the world looks in and sees the dividing walls come crumbling down and sees things that normally divide people, they see them coming together. They say, wow. There's something different. You guys truly must be followers of Jesus. Now, the writer Paul gives a verse, and here's the verse. Many of you, if you go to a wedding in the next couple months, which I know some of you, this is wedding season, kicking into high gear here, you're likely going to hear this description of love. So the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Well, here's what that love kind of looks like. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. So it says the world looks in and sees a group of people who are patient with one another, who are kind with one another, who don't jockey for position and don't try and grandstand. And it goes on. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now, here's why I read this verse. We hear this at weddings, but we miss its context. Do you know what its context is? Spiritual gifts. What we're going to talk about this morning. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the, the chapter that leads into this powerful love section. Matter of fact, it's interesting. Chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13, he takes his detour about love. And then chapter 14, he comes into some specific examples of spiritual gifts. So 13, when he hits on love, what he's really hitting on is the dysfunction that's existed in the church for years, thousands of years. We shouldn't be surprised that it's still here around with us. But it's the misusing of gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is on page 957. And the Bible's in the seats in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, we'd say grab that one. We even say as a church, we put those Bibles, we've got tons more here uh, to replace. If you want to take one home, if you don't have a Bible, we'd encourage you to do that. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I can't unpack all of this. There is a ton here. I want to hit a couple high points. I'm not going to read it all even. I just want to start at verse 4, actually. Look at me at verse 4. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Jump down to verse 11. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone describes which gift each person should have. Hold the thought and jump to verse 18 now. But our bodies, referring to the to the, he's going to draw a parallel to our earthly bodies with the body of the church. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. 
Here's what I want to start with. There are different gifts in this. If you're a Christian, there are a lot of different gifts. As a matter of fact, what we've done this morning is on your way out. Feel free to grab. You say, what are the gifts? Um, we don't know if in the scriptures if they've given us an exhaust. Theologians debate this. Is, are the gifts listed in scriptures, are they exhaustive? Or are they just kind of, a, kind of a wet your appetite? These are some of the gifts that are out there. We don't know, but what we did do is borrowed um, from our journey, our gifted class, which we teach here at the church. Um, we, again, copied off some sheets there and encourage you to grab, kind of define what those gifts are. But there are a lot of different gifts. Okay, is, is verse 4 to 6 kind of kick that out? Yet it, it draws this statement that they all come from the same God. So some of you have gift of mercy, and some of you have the gift of leadership. Oftentimes, those two gifts don't always get along. The leader's saying, hey, we're moving in a direction. The mercy's saying, no, wait a minute. You move in that direction, someone's going to get hurt. And the leader says, well, guess what? We have to move. The mercy's saying, well, no, you can't move because someone's going to get run over. And the leader's going, come on, you sissy and pansy, let's move. And the, and the mercy gift's sitting there saying, well, what's wrong with you, you hard nose? And they, they begin to conflict arise. There's different gifts. And you say, well, how can these two conflicting gifts be from the same God? Well, that's Paul, this, the writer starts out and says, hey, these gifts come from the same God. Now, here's the other thing. God determines what you get. In fact, the way we say it in our family is you get what you get and you don't get upset, right? God determines what you get. Now, and he did not make a mistake. So I think some of us need to hear this morning. This is one of my greatest struggles around this subject. I can't tell you how many dark nights of the soul I've shed tears asking God, why did you give me the gifts that you gave me? I would love to have another gift. Or why did you give me this gift and call me to this position? It doesn't make sense. And I'd wrestle and I'd struggle. As I've interacted with others, I've learned. I sat down with a team this week that help, helps me get ready for my message. And they began to talk about this same thing. And I said, so it's not just me. And they're like, and here they said, hey, talk about guilt, Adam. So this is what I want to do. God wants you to do what he has gifted and called you to do, not what everyone else thinks you should do. Please hear this this morning. God has uniquely gifted you. And he says, I didn't make a mistake. I knew what I was doing when I handed the gift out. And I need you to step forward and do it. Now, here's what ends up happening. Here's what I, it breaks my heart. People with different gifts begin to judge and size other up. And we have this. So, for example, you may hate studying. Okay, you hear a pastor maybe stand up and say, you got to study the scriptures. And you may go home and you try and you're thinking, it doesn't make any sense. Well, you know what? You may feel this guilt and this pressure set in. Oh, I don't know how to study. I can't study. I mean, I can read it and I can connect with God in my quiet time, but studying is like I get lost. Like I don't know. Guess what? You're probably not a teacher, and it's okay. You may be a person who says, you know what, um, I see opportunities to serve. I'm going to serve out here at the front door because I, you know, in the church we talk about loving people. So I want to love people well and I can certainly stand at the front door and welcome people. But you walk out here week in and week out as you try to do it. But when you walk into that foyer and you see strangers and people you don't know, your hands start to get all sweaty, your heart beats faster, you get nervous, you're thinking, oh my goodness, and you're scared. And you stand at that front door and you see the stranger walking in and, and you think, well, I can persevere, I can do this. Well, there's a good chance you do not have the gift of hospitality or service or maybe mercy. And here's what I want to say. What ends up happening is we walk around with this guilt. Well, I hear other people say, well, you know what? Christians love people, so I need to be out here where all the people are. Well, you know what? Maybe you've been given the gift of administration. 
And where you really belong is behind the scenes crunching numbers. Well, that's not loving people. You know what happens when a church doesn't take care of their numbers? We can't love people. So here's the heart I want to push in on. You have been given a gift. Stop listening to the voices around you and go use your gift. Don't let them tell you you don't love people. Say, you know what? I'm here crunching numbers because I love people. I don't love people in the same way you love people because you have a different gift, but I'm crunching numbers with my gift to care for this body. Same as the person standing at the front door should probably have the gift of hospitality because they love people with that gift, or the person who teaches has the gift of teacher, so he's going to have or she's going to have the natural ability to study and connect Genesis to Revelation in ways that the rest of us just don't get. And by them exercising that gift, if they're not doing it to grandstand or be about them, They're loving people. And God didn't make a mistake. And the more we try and stand in the other roles to silence our own guilt, the more unhealthy this body's going to be. So use the gift that God's given you. Verse 7, look at verse 7 here. Powerful verse. I love this verse. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can what? Here's the purpose of the gift. What does it say that you can do? It doesn't say so you can stand out and look like a rock star. It says, no, so you can help each other. First Peter chapter 4, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. I love this. As faithful stewards of God's grace. It was a gracious, supernatural thing that God has given you. Steward that grace. So you can give that grace away to others in its various forms. Again, all Christians, I cannot stress this enough. If you're here and you say, I'm a Christian, you have a gift. You have something to offer that the rest of us cannot live Without. Now, verses 12 to 13, I'm not going to read it uh, just for sake of time, but it introduces this concept of spirit baptism. Now, this gets this in, in the church, and especially our Pentecostal friends, it kind of captures this. They start to think of some, some kind of mystical second thing that we should all yearn for. Well, what's so important to understand, here's where the gifts come from. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, that's what baptism of the Spirit is. You are baptized. You are in, you're brought into the family. And baptism of the Spirit, as you read verses 12, 13, and the verses around, the reason the baptism of the Spirit is, is, is talked about, what it does is it breaks down dividing walls and unifies and brings us into one family. So when do you get a spiritual gift? It's at the point of salvation when the Holy Spirit steps in. I had a friend uh, one time that I watched, and he was so gifted at giving. And that's one of the spiritual gifts, giving. He gave money, like, it just blew me away. And I said to him one time, I said, you know what, I think you have the spiritual gift of giving. And he says, no, I actually don't think I do. Why not? Well, because he accepted Christ as a young adult in his 20s. And he says, as long as um, I can remember as a little kid, I had a heart to give. I gave. I just gave. So it was something I was born with. It wasn't supernaturally empowered at the point of salvation. Now, he thinks he's using it for God now, but he says, you know, I actually think I have the gift of leadership. Because that I didn't have young, that's something that came upon me at the point of salvation when the Spirit baptized me. That was a great perspective. So again, we get our gifts at, at the baptism of the Spirit, and they're given to us to unify, to bring us into one body, to break down the dividing lines. Now, look at verses 14 to 26. I'm going to read these straight through because Paul, the writer, is going to give us powerful illustration, well-known illustration if you're familiar with Scripture and the subject of spiritual gifts. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because 
eye am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Verse 18, which you already read, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 22, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most important. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Verse 24, while the most honorable parts do not require this special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Verse 25, this makes for harmony. This verse I read earlier. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honorable, Honored, all the parts are glad. Isn't that cool? I love this illustration. So, in other words, he starts out as a foot. What if a foot says, you know what? Fooey with you, body. I'm a foot. I'm the stuff. We can walk. We can do this. It's all about walking. So they say, see you later, body. How far is the foot going to get? Ain't going to go real far. Matter of fact, you could say it this way the foot is only a foot because it's connected to the body. You cut the foot off, it's kind of done. What use is the foot? So he drives this illustration. It says, you've all been gifted, but you have to work together. Um, verse 17 to 21, he says, how strange it would be if we just keyed in on one part. So in other words, imagine if we said, hey, we're a vision church. We're all a bunch of eyeballs. We can see as far as the day is long. I mean, we can see in the horizon. We know what God is doing. We're going to cast vision till the, till the cows come home. Well, guess what? You can cast vision all day long. Who's going to be here to hear it? Who's going to be here to do it? Who's going to be here to carry it out and execute it? No one, because you're all an eye. What use are you? If you're all one gift, if you're all one thing, you really become useless. It's really not a healthy church or a healthy body. Now, I want to key in on this a minute, because I think something happens in this area that is, that is sad and unfortunate, but very understandable. When you use your gift, I hear this all the time, it becomes like a drug, I sincerely mean that. When you start using your gift and you watch God use you in a supernatural way to administer his grace and you watch the lives change of people that you're interacting with, I hear this all the time. It's my own story. That's why I started to get into ministry because I'm like, when I started doing that, I saw Rich come to know Jesus and I saw Rich grow up. I'm like, oh my goodness, I would have a hard time going to sleep at night. I was so excited. I'm like, this is so incredible. Yes, we do this. We get excited in our spiritual zeal. Tag that with our individualistic culture that I don't think is just American. I think it's European and Middle East. It's all over the place. We're kind of consumed with I, me individualistic thinking. And what we begin to do is through that zeal and through our individual thinking, we begin to project our gifts onto one another. And here's how this kind of works. In other words, what God has called and gifted me to do, see the difference I'm making, you all need to do it too. Because if we all did this, man, this church would go places. It's really unhealthy. Here's what it kind of looks like. You may have the person with the gift of giving. They are supernaturally gifted with the giving. They may give away 20% of what God has entrusted them with. Oftentimes, I'll say this. I don't want to get too deep on this, but what is the gift of giving? I think if you say to me, you have the gift of giving, you have the ability to make revenue, drive revenue. If you can't make money, 
consistently and regularly, you probably don't have the gift of giving because what do you have to give away if you don't have? So I think the gift of giving is oftentimes tagged up with the ability to create revenue. Be very wise with your money. So you say, why well, have the gift of giving? And you see the impact that that makes. You see the lives that are changed. You see the, the impact in the kingdom. And you begin to look out at everyone else and think, man, you know what? Everyone needs to take the Dave Ramsey course and live like he tells you to live. If you guys would all manage your money. And they begin to focus on everyone else through this lens of giving and managing money. And they think, well, the problem with the church is you're not giving enough. You're not committed. You're, and they start casting and gift projecting on everyone else. Or maybe the evangelist. Evangelists, we, evangelists do this all the time, unfortunately. I'm kind of in that camp at times. I'll say I apologize. But evangelist. An evangelist walks into a restaurant. When you go into a restaurant, what are you thinking about? Food, right? Food. You know what an evangelist is thinking about when he walks into a restaurant? I wonder if my waitress knows Jesus. I'm looking for the opportunity to tell, share Jesus with them. What's an evangelist think when they're walking through the line, a checkout line at Walmart? Man, I get to share Jesus with this poor soul standing behind this register. There's no place to go anyway. Ah, here's my opportunity. And they'll stand and they'll tell stories. We all need to be telling. You know, an evangelist gets on an airplane. What's an evangelist doing on an airplane? Yes, I got a captive audience for the next two hours. And they begin to talk and they think the answer is share Jesus. You know what? You all better sign up for the evangelism explosion class and we're all going to go door to door. And if you don't, you're less of a Christian. Is that true? Are you all gifted evangelists? No. Now, should we all be sharing Jesus? Sure. Should we all be giving? Yes. But so often we do is we begin to project our gift onto everyone else. Same goes with the teacher. Same goes with the person gifted with mercy. Man, mercy is such a powerful gift. Have you ever seen someone with the gift of mercy sit with someone in a hospital or at a funeral or at a point of deep grief? You don't want a teacher sitting by your side at that point. You want someone with the gift of mercy. And when they're there, it is powerful. But for that person with mercy then to step back and say, you know what, we all need to have the gift of mercy. We would go nowhere as a church. But we do this. We gift project. We look at life through kind of our lenses. And we grow frustrated with people that don't look like me. And it's really kind of splits and splinters. As a matter of fact, I would say this. In my opinion, this is my opinion only, our denominational breakdown across the globe is a result of spiritual gift, disunity, and disharmony. The Mennonite church, to generalize, you know what the Mennonite church is really good at? The spiritual gift of mercy and the spiritual gift of helps and service. Phenomenal. The Presbyterian church, you know what the Presbyterian church as a whole is really, really good at? Man, they got things administrated out the yin-yang. I mean, it is like, wow. How about the Baptist among us? What are the Baptists really good at? Evangelism. I heard someone say it. Man, the Baptists are like, man, get out there and share Jesus. How about the independent Bible churches among us? What are they really good at? Teaching. I believe, in my opinion, this isn't just a Bethany thing. This is across the board. Our denominational splits as a whole, in my opinion, come from the breakdown of the disunity around spiritual gifts. Us saying, you know what? The most important thing is teaching. The most important thing is, and we begin to then draw and build a whole denomination around that thing. And I think it makes us very unhealthy unless we learn to work with the independent Bible church up the street or the Presbyterian church across town. Then I think it can work. But if, if you're just going off and building your own kingdoms, I think it, anyway, 
Get off that rabbit trail. Verse 22 and 23 captured. He saw this. The weakest parts may be the most necessary. Isn't this a cool thought? Think about your hand. Next weekend, I'm going to build a new fence in our backyard. Needed it for years. The old fence is just absolutely it's scary to look at. Now, I'm going to get very, I'm going to do something I don't do a lot of. I have these kind of what I would call office hands. You know what I mean? They don't have a lot of rough. So if you shake my hand next Sunday, they're probably going to feel a little different than they do right now. They may be bleeding and, and calloused and everything. Blistered, not calloused. They're going to, so anyway, so you're going to shake my hand. But the hands are made to take it, right? Your hands are rugged. Some more rugged than others. Your feet are made to take it. You can take a beating. You can push hard with your feet. How about your kidney? Can your kidney take a beating? How about your thyroid? Can it take a beating? How about your heart? What kind of beating can it take? Matter of fact, think about your rib cage. Think about most of your really precious organs. Where are they? They're packed in underneath here. They're protected. No one sees them. But man, if that kidney shuts down, you got one more, but that one goes, you're done. So God says, I've, I've established the body that way. Sometimes we look out and think, man, the hand is where it's at. Look at the hand. Well, you know what? The hand gets a lot done, but it wouldn't function without the heart and the kidneys and the liver. Now, he goes on to say, and this is, I love this. This is the G-rated version here. Uh, Paul does a really good job. There's kids in the room, and he knows kids will be reading this, I think. So he says, let me look at while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. Look at verse 23. And the parts we regard as less noble are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. You know what he's saying? <laughs> this is your private parts, guys. What do we do with them? Some of them the beach is coming, right? You have some of you going to the beach this summer. What do you do with your private parts? You cover them up. I hope. <laughs> I hope you cover them up. Right? <laughs> now, why do we do that? Paul says, why do we do that? Think about this. Those parts, what do those parts do? How important are they? They give life. They give life. But we don't want anyone to see them. And you shouldn't see them either for that matter. They're reserved for the context and the beauty of marriage. But they give life. And Paul says, "That's that's how God designed the body. There's some of you that are the private parts. There's an image for you, right? Some of you go, yeah, I wonder what gift I have. Some of you are the private parts that need to stay behind the scenes. You bring this body life when you stay covered up. Does that mean you are any less noble and honorable than the parts that stand on stage? Absolutely not. Without you, we would not procreate. We would not have life. But you are so important. No, no one sees you. It's how the body functions. Then verse 25, it says, this creates harmony. I would say it this way. The body is most healthy when the body cares for the body. You know, this is, I'm, I've been, I learned this a long time ago. You did not hire Chris and I to do all the care of this body. And if you expect that, this body is going to be weak, it's going to struggle, and it will probably shrink in num- numeric size. We can't do it all. Our elders, our elders cannot do it all. They weren't gifted that way. It's not what they were gifted to do. We all have different gifts. And I need to live in my gifting. Chris needs to live in his gifting. Our elders need to live in their gifting. Our, the counselors here need to live in their gifting. Our administrative staff needs to live in their gifting. Our front door needs to live in their gifting. And when we all live in our gifting, understand that I have something to offer that you cannot live without. 
This body is far better cared for and far healthier than if we all look to one or two, quote-unquote, professional people to get it done. Verse 26 then wraps up and it says, this brings honor. You know, I want to... We grieve with those who grieve, and we honor those that succeed. I want to throw this challenge out. How often can you celebrate those that are different from you? Do you know what we often do with people that are different from us? What's wrong with them? You know, I can. How often can you look across the aisle and say, man, Jeff nailed it this morning. I don't have that gift. Maybe I don't even like the electric guitar. But you know what? He puts time in. He puts heart in. He leads well. He trucks really hard to put the song set that, that it, it builds in the morning. Man, Jeff, thank you. How often can we do that? Often what we do is we look across the aisle and we get critical. And we, again, I think it's this issue. Now look at verse 31. Wraps it up. Here's where we're going to kind of bring this thing in. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now, let me give you a little Bible study tool. I'm a teacher, so if you ever want to think like a teacher, when I read that, you know a question I ask right away? Oh, wait a minute, Paul. We should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Paul, didn't you just tell us that all parts are important? Paul, didn't you just say that God gives what he gives and you can't change it? Paul, didn't you just say, what does he mean? Here's where I pulled some tools off the shelf and did some work, and it turns out that in the original languages, it's a plural verb in this, in this verse. So what he's saying when he says you, he's referring not to an individual but to the entire body. And here's what ties it all together. In other words, what he's saying, make sure that the whole body-focused gifts are allowed to function well. In other words, if you look back at verse 28, he lists some of them. Apostle, prophet, teacher. Ephesians chapter 4, he lists the same author, lists them again. In the church, to build the church, he's given the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher. So I think what he's saying here is, listen, guys, if you want this to function well, make sure those gifts that are holistic in nature, that are looking out for the entire whole, are allowed to function and work well. And when they function well, you're all going to function well. And then, look, finish the verse, but now let me show you a way that is best of all. And what's he do? Builds into the love chapter. Love. That's why I'd say possession of a gift is not as important as exercising of that gift in love. You know, so you have a gift. You have been gifted to make a difference. All Christians have been gifted to make a difference. I'm going to ask um, the ushers in the room. They're going to hand us some cards out right now. I have one here. So guys, if you want to come kind of work up through, it's a little card, uh, Crystal. Uh, if some of you know Crystal, um, our office manager does a phenomenal job. She put these together. On the front, it just says, uh, partner and serve in harmony. As a matter of fact, she put little music notes with little parts of the body in the music notes. And for those of you that are musical, this is awesome. I just have to brag on Crystal a minute. Um, the music notes actually are the song We Are the Body by Casting Crown. If some of you know that song, so that's kind of cool. Some of you have you can go and play that. But on the back, they have the verse, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. So again, I'd encourage you to take that card home. And here's the question I want you to wrestle with. I'd ask you to, not, you can do whatever you want, but here's what I'd ask you to wrestle with. Where are you jumping in? Have you jumped in? 
If not, where are you going to jump in? Now, next week, I'll give a little plug in next week. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about how. How to determine what gifts I have and how to get involved. So, but just right now this week, where are you jumping in? Second thing I'd ask, what are you doing to honor the gifts that are different from yours? I want to push hard on this. Don't serve out of guilt. You know, are you serving free of the voices in your head that everyone else has told you, wow, Adam, you need to love people. And if you love people, you're going to do this. No, maybe you've got the gift of administration, so you need to belong behind the scenes, crunching numbers. What are you doing to honor the gifts that are different from yours? How much guilt do you have around this subject? Are you brave enough to say no when you feel the pressure to say yes because of the expectation? Are you brave enough to say, you know what? I know I may get judged. I know I may get told I don't love people. I know I may get told I'm selfish, but I'm going to say no because I care for this body too much to say yes. And if I jump in there, this body's going to struggle. Are you brave enough to do that? I'll also throw this. Um, some of you serve in like two and three and four areas. Are you brave enough to back off to one? You say, oh my goodness, I can't do that. Why not? What has God gifted you to do? You know, I only have, <laughs> I think maybe I have leader and teacher. And you could debate, go on and debate all that afternoon. But two at most, maybe only just one. I don't think God's, we're not superhuman. God didn't give you 20 gifts. He didn't wrap it all up in one person. We need one another. And oftentimes the gifts you need up here are different from the gifts you need back there. And when I see people serving all over the place, I'm like, are you really helping this body be healthy? And oftentimes, well, if I don't do it, nobody will. I'd say, well, you know what? Probably because you're in that role, you're keeping someone else from stepping into that role. And as I really probe, oftentimes why we're jumping in all over the place is I've, I think I'm beginning to wrestle with in my own life is it's guilt. It's some internal voice that compels us to do something. We're like, no, do you love people enough to function in that one area? That said, I know I'm way over time. Um, let me pray for us. And again, take these cards home and let's make music together. It's my desire as a church. Let's not make that horrible noise we heard, but let's make music as a body and really serve well together. God, thank you so much for Jesus. We love you. God, you've gifted each one of us that would call you Father. Uh, you've supernaturally empowered us so that this body can be healthy. God, help us to recognize and look at and push in and, and say, man, where am I serving? Where have I jumped in? God, may we do it not out of guilt, but out of freedom, out of love for you and love for others. And God, as we all serve together where you've wired us to serve, this church is a force to be reckoned with. And others will look in and say, wow, there's something we don't see every day. There's people that are different working together, making music and harmonizing. God, that's a beautiful thing. We love you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.